Welcome back to the Dougie Juice Pod. Changing the way you think as a sports better. Hello! This is episode number 36, Saturday morning, March 9th, 2019. We are entering the glory period. College basketball betting nirvana. The first ticket will be punched to the big dance later today, and I'm here to bring you a little synopsis of each of these conference tournaments from a handicapping perspective. So this episode will be all college hoops talk. I'll start with the top 10 power-rated teams according to the Doggy Juice model, and then I'll preview these smaller conference tournaments that we have going on. Um, And we also have a special message from a special former guest on the podcast. He left me a drunken message last night that was presumably... Uh, He was under the influence of alcohol when he made it, so we'll give that a listen at the end and address that. But first, we need to talk about what the fuck baseball is doing. It's almost like Rob Manfred and the baseball brass, like, woke up one morning and decided just to, to take it personally and go after the entire gambling community, so... I'm not sure if any of you are aware, but Major League Baseball, they made, I've addressed this on a previous podcast, they made a request to several states, um, their gaming commissions, to take spring training games off the betting board. And fortunately, all the states, uh, led by Nevada, they told them to pound sand, we're good, we've got this, people are going to bet it anyway. It's better to have it above board and regulate the shit than, you know, not have it regulated and people find a way to bet it in faraway places or with their black market local bookie. So... Luckily, uh, there was a response to that, but now Major League Baseball, they're trying to strong-arm integrity fees, and there's no other way around this. They came out and basically said, starting this season, they are going to be in complete control of releasing their uh, team lineup information and umpire information before each game, so they directed teams, they actually mandated teams, to send in their lineups for each game to the MLB office first, and the MLB office will then have control over that, that information, which then they'll provide to operators, which obviously they want a fee. Uh, so so uh, sports, uh, so operators and sports betting bookies, I guess you could say. Um, so they have that information first, and they have to pay for it, and then they, they post it. So this is a situation where, as a better, you don't have the information before the bookie. But honestly, like this is going to have terrible consequences, I think, and I think it's just a terrible idea. Um, without really diving into it too much here, because I'm not a big Major League Baseball better, but I know most um, professional handicappers, they have their numbers, and they're going to make their bets on the overnight lines the night before, and then they'll adjust accordingly for any lineup changes or or umpire assignments. And plus, umpire assignments, too, you kind of know already, because usually a crew's working um, an entire series, so there's that aspect as well. But... um, so it's not going to affect professionals as much because they're going to have their numbers. They're going to bet anyway, but it's really going to affect um, just the, the average Joe better a lot more. But it's something that, as betters, we're going to adapt to anyway. It's not that big of a deal for you know to not have the lineup information um, at a certain time, at least in my opinion. And as betters, we'll adapt. But I think this could actually have consequences that Major League Baseball doesn't even intend, and it kind of shows they're... I've uh, been stressing this all along. These leagues, they show like a lack of knowledge of the industry that's alarming to me. So you could see a situation here where they could actually um, they could shoot themselves in the foot because you can create a scenario where players, you know, someone that has that information, some uh, some person that has that lineup information that's privy to it and is supposed to keep it confidential, they leak it somehow. And you could have you know a spot where some people have that information and they're able to take advantage of it, and you can get 
you know, it opens itself up more readily for match manipulation. So I think that's a terrible move by Major League Baseball. It's clearly just a move to try and strong arm integrity fees so they could show that their dad is important so they can get paid for it. But I'm hoping that the operators all in unison tell them to pound sand and and uh, continue to do things the way we've been doing them. Nevada's been doing this for decades perfectly. I don't understand the big need to all of a sudden change. And this is a developing story as the season starts as well, so I will, I'll be touching on it if it becomes more of an issue. Who hurt you, baseball? Do you need a hug? Why does gambling make you so upset? Um, all right. Let's now jump into some college basketball talk, as promised. That's going to be the rest of the podcast. Let's start with the top 10 teams according to the Doggy Juice model. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a new number one, Gonzaga. I've been saying it here since November. This could be Gonzaga's year. Killian Tilly's return could be the icing on the cake for them, but they have everything going for them. They're going to get that one seed. They're going to win their conference tournament. Um, they're going to be, if they have a good draw, I really like their chances to make a very deep run. This could be Gonzaga's year. Number two, Duke. Although I expect Zion to come back uh, by the ACC tournament, I think there will be some rust when he does come back and maybe a tough time reassimilating when he does come back. But their upside is the you know, they're the best team in the country when they're firing on all cylinders. We've seen that. So there actually could be value on Duke, in my opinion, crazily enough, if they lose against UNC later today and if they lose in the ACC tournament early. You know, if you see Zion come back and, and the team's, you know, having a tough time reassimilating together and, and they lose or something like that, um, they'll have some extra time to develop chemistry. I think that it could actually open up value on Duke, or a very small amount of value. But Zion, RJ Barrett, and Cam Reddish, they're going to be top. I mean, those first two are going to go 1-2, but these guys are going to be top four, top five, five picks in the draft, these three guys next year. So how can they not be favored over every team in the field? So Duke's upside is clearly number one, but but right now I have Gonzaga at number one. Number three, they've been there all along. Virginia, um, they're up to a slight number two without Zion on Duke. But with Zion on Duke, Duke's uh, clearly better in my opinion. So those are your top three. It's unchanged. And then there's a little bit of a drop-off, but it's very tight between that four, five, and six. I have North Carolina number four. It's a nice mix of studs and seniors on that team. Unfortunately for them, Roy Williams will be a liability for them uh, in the tournament. I think he's one of the uh, – he's definitely below average in calling X's and O's as a head coach, uh, as far as a head coach is concerned. But the dude can recruit. He's got a great team. North Carolina, number four. Number five, Michigan State. Are we due for some Izzo magic this March? I think they might be poised to make a run depending on their draw. Number six, Kentucky, capable of winning it all as well. They will be. They have the talent to get it done if they have a good draw as well. Then we have another drop off, and it's really tight from seven to nine. Number seven, I have Tennessee. Uh, they have the tools to make a deep run. They've kind of turned things around here after losing, getting blown out against Kentucky. They beat them in the rematch. Uh, Tennessee could end up being a number one seed uh, in the tournament as well, but I expect them to settle out at the number two. Uh, number eight. Talk about a team charging at the right time. Texas Tech. They're peaking at the right time. Number one in def- defensive efficiency. And I think uh, they could be a two-seed if they win. They went out and share the Big 12 title and make a deep run in the conference tournament, which I do expect them to do. Uh, Chris Beard, he's a, he's a wonderful head coach. I've been chirping this team all along. I do have some futures on them, and I think that uh, they can really make some noise, of course, depending on their draw in the tournament. But we're looking at a two-seed for them, and I, I think they should be according to my ratings. Uh, number nine, Michigan. Their lack of depth worries me, but they do have B-line. Um, if they make a good run in the Big Ten tournament, you can see them maybe get up to a two seed as well. But Michigan, 
they, they can make some noise for sure. Number 10 is Purdue. I don't trust them in the tournament. Matt Painter always seems to choke it away somehow, but they do have studs. Uh, great point guard Carson Edwards, who they kind of lean on a little too much, I think, but you know Matt Harms, he could stretch the floor as well. He could actually knock down threes. The dude's a beast. He's huge down low, and they have some guys that can really put the ball in the basket on that team. So Purdue is going to be a factor in the tournament as well, I think. Uh, honorable mentions, Virginia Tech uh, and Auburn. But like I said last week, there's such a logjam between number 10 and number 20, according to my power ratings, that I think the line I would have on a neutral between my 10th-ranked team and my 20th-ranked team would be around, like, two points. So it's very tight this year. Um, so moving on, today we have a very nice-looking card on the last Saturday of regular season games, but I'm going to focus now on some uh, bigger macro points heading into the next couple of weeks. Um, this is one of the weakest bubbles we've seen in years. It's really, we have a lot of trash at the end on the bubble watch, but it's just like not even that great of a, of a bubble watch this year. There's just so much trash in these bigger major conferences. you got teams like that are being talked about for attorney bid that have just lost a significant amount more of their conference games than, than they've won. Uh, those include teams like TCU, Indiana, um, I guess Minnesota's safe now, and they've, I think they kind of deserve it, but there's, some junk teams in there that are being considered for a bid that I don't think really even deserve it. There's some teams like Texas that are on the bubble that have some great wins, but just some what-the-fuck losses. Uh, but as a whole, this is probably one of the weakest bubbles I've ever seen um, as a college basketball fan. Quickly, your college basketball top five teams against the spread. This is as of yesterday. Um, number one, Drake, 24-6 and six after that cover yesterday. Uh, like Nebraska last year, Drake is on pace. And actually, I'm going to name them. I'm going to crown them right here on this podcast. They are the official Doggy Juice College Basketball Team of the Year for the 2018-2019 season, the Drake Bulldogs, 24-6 and against the spread. Number two, Virginia, 22-7 and against the spread. They cover every damn time on the road. Number three, Ole Miss, 22-8 and against the spread. Number four, Sam Houston State, 19-7. and And number five, Texas Pan Am, 21-8 and one against the spread. The worst college basketball teams against the spread this year, number one, Denver, 8-20. and 20. Number two, Stephen F. Austin, 17-1. Seven, number three, Wyoming, 9-19-1. Number four, Cal Poly, 7-16-2. They're going tonight. I'm probably going to fade them as well, although let's get those prices against Cal Poly have really been, uh, they've been growing. It's up. You pay a big tax now fading them. Uh, number five, Delaware State and Idaho tied at 8-18 eight uh, for your lowest College basketball teams against the spread. Notable totals against the spread trends this season. Duke is 28-2 to the under in their in the totals in their games. And Villanova is 19-8-2 to the under in their games. I found that interesting when I was going through the numbers. So Alright, so now we're gonna we have the remaining games in some conference regular seasons, but we're really getting into some of these conference tournaments. So um some advice for conference tournaments. The One of the biggest things, and I've been harping on this since day one, um, in terms of taking futures, I think it's almost every single time, and it's not even close, you are going to make more money rolling over the team you want to bet on on the money line instead of taking their future, and that definitely holds true in these conference tournaments. The only time where it really doesn't work out is if um, they're more of an underdog and another underdog wins, so they don't have to beat... Uh, the favorite, but some you know you'll have, to have some crazy shit happen because they'll have to win as an underdog and 
another team will have to win as an underdog to face them. Then then it'll, that'll fuck with your payout a little bit. But even so, um, it's like 99.5% of the time it's better to do the money line rollover, and it's not even close. Like You'll make a lot more money doing it that way. So if you're looking at a team to win a tournament, you see they're like plus 350 to win the tournament, just bet them and roll them over every game. And the beauty about that one is you can take your money out at any time. You don't have to make the final bet. You can just enjoy the championship game or... You're not forced to have them win the whole thing to cash the ticket, so you can actually earn on the way and then get out at any time you want. Um, so where was it? Okay, so playing another thing I want to talk about is playing unders in tournament championship conference tournament title games, championship games, especially first half unders. Um, the market knows about this, so they price it accordingly, but this is something I always look to do, especially... Um, when the lines are posted at first and then the public money can come in. Because when the odds makers are onto this, they're not stupid. They factor it in. The teams are going to play a lot tighter in a championship game. Um, and it's going to be more possession by possession based. Sometimes they're tight in the championship game because they know the stakes, especially these smaller conference games where they know that there's a tourney bid on the line. They're, it's a one bid league. Whoever gets the tournament championship gets through to the big dance. So there is that added pressure and players play a lot more tight. Um, maybe not as willing to take that shot when they're open, you know, that 20 footer, they want to make the extra pass. So it's usually good to the under odds makers are onto this. They always, they factor it in, but then you get the public coming in too. Sometimes they think about it and they sometimes bet on the under as well. So it actually, something that's already factored into the line, the public bets into anyway, might drive it down another point or two as well. So sometimes like to get after those early when they're posted, those unders before the public gets involved. Um, so you can get a better number, but I usually love playing those at first half unders, especially because the end game scrambles can be especially unreal in these championship game, these uh, championship games. So buyer beware, um, you can get a team that just not going to quit down 12 points at 20 seconds left or down 15 points at 30 seconds left. And you could, you get a situation where you can you know, easily see 15 points scored in the final minute. I mean, I've seen even more, so nothing more frustrating than a situation like that. And it'll probably happen to me a couple times this month. Uh, it's already happened once, so um, just buyer beware on those. But honestly, those championship game unders, they are a great way to look. So as I said, we are about to be right in the thick of it. Tickets to the dance are going to be punched over the next few days, and you'll be seeing some of these teams on your brackets that win these tournaments the next few days. So here's a little preview of the smaller conference tournaments that will be going on over the next few days. I'll do a similar overview of the remaining conference tournaments in the next episode, which I plan to release by Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, uh, midweek, around those times as those bigger um, tournaments get underway. So really aiming to have that out by Wednesday morning. So let's get started. Starting with the first conference title game, the Ohio Valley, later today, and that is going to be dynamite. This is really a it was a top-heavy conference this year, led by Belmont, who I believe should be an at-large team this year. Lenardi has them or as of Friday, I believe, he had them at number 12. Uh, and then we have we have Murray State and uh, Jay Morant, who's a stud NBA first-round draft pick. I'm sure you've heard of him. Some experts have him top three in their mock drafts, or at least top three in best available players. Uh, last night, they beat Jacksonville State, a really close one. I was pleased uh, that Jacksonville State covered that one, but uh, I, I had them a little bit plus five uh, as part of my portfolio. But uh, that looked like Jacksonville State kind of got screwed over at the end, too, with that flagrant foul. But uh, despite that, Murray State, they have the best player on the court, Jim, John Morant. And they, um, honestly, I think 
that's going to be a great game later today. Austin P lost to Belmont yesterday. So this is a four-headed monster, Austin P, Jacksonville State, but then the two teams that are in the title game today, Murray State and Belmont. Those four teams are the class of the conference. The right four teams were in the semifinal last night, and tonight we have a great championship game. Uh, but, you know, I really think that I, I could see Murray State getting it done. I think that Belmont's going to get in the tournament no matter what, but they really want to solidify it. So that's going to be a great watch tonight. Uh, to see see who gets that auto bid. And if Murray State does beat Belmont, I believe we're going to have a situation where uh, we see a two-bid league here in the Ohio Valley. Um, the Atlantic Sun, now we're moving on to games. To There's three conference tournament title games tomorrow on Sunday, starting uh, the Atlantic Sun is the, the last game. Uh, that, tournament actually, that tournament actually started first this past Monday, the 4th, and then they've had a few days off. But this conference is a two-headed monster. And the far and above two best teams are facing off against each other in the title game tomorrow afternoon. And those are Lipscomb and Liberty. Both finished 14-2 and in the conference. So this game tomorrow is going to be a great watch for that 16-seed bid. Uh, Lipscomb will be the favorite. I have them power rated about 2.5 to 3 points better than Liberty. And I expect Lipscomb to win this game. But I think it'll be a good one and really... Either team can come through with that bid. That's going to be a great watch tomorrow. Also tomorrow, the Big South Tournament Championship. Radford against Gardner-Webb for the title and the tourney bid. Ken Palm has this one, Radford by 8 points. Radford 75, Gardner-Webb 67. I have this one actually at uh, at 10.4 points, uh, Radford favored. And I think Radford can be worth a look here at the right price. If you can get like 7 or better, I have it graded out. Uh, They beat Gardner-Webb comfortably in their... um, their previous matchup this year at home, 75-58. to 58. Plus, from a handicapping angle, I think that they will come out sharp in this one after coming out so flat in the semifinal against Charleston Southern the other night. They had to come back down from, uh, they're down 10 points at halftime, and they only scored 19 first-half points, but they had to come back from that and get the victory in that game, which they did. But expect them to come out hot here and look for Ed Polite, Polite, I always call him Polite, Ed Polite Jr., the senior, to especially heat it up because he's coming off a subpar performance, and he lit up Gardner-Webb pretty good in their previous encounter. I do like Radford rolling to the big dance here with the tourney bid, and uh, yeah, of course you could be listening to this later in the day, and I could look like a huge idiot, or maybe not, who knows. The Missouri Valley Conference Men's Basketball Tournament, a.k.a. Arch Madness, that title game's tomorrow on Sunday. Perhaps my favorite conference tournament every single year. It's just a great tournament. They always have it in St. Louis, and it's it's, uh, it's a good tournament. They always Teams always play really hard, It's and uh, we always get some good action in, in the, uh, the Arch Madness. We have Sister Jean and Loyola against Bradley, the upstarts, who are fresh off an impressive win against the stingy Missouri State squad, 61-58. And then we have Drake, the official Doggy Juice team of the year, Drake Bulldogs, who square off against crosstown rival Northern Iowa, who just beat Southern Illinois yesterday, also by, or curiously, by a final score of 61-58 as well. Now, Drake basketball. If you've been following my college basketball plays on Twitter and Instagram this season, you've seen that by far and away the most played-on team this year for me has been the Drake Bulldogs. So I'm going to explain kind of why I think I was ended up being on Drake so many times. I mean, I, I know why, I think, but... Um, so here's basically what happened with Drake basketball this year that I think explains why I was on them so much uh, and, and also why they finished 24-6 and six against the spread and were the best college basketball team this season against the spread. 
So back in January, their stud point guard, Nick Norton, went down with an ACL. And the market downgraded the team accordingly. But in my opinion, and now looking back at it uh, retroactively, that's pretty clear, that they downgraded them too much. And they properly didn't account for the replacement, Noah Thomas, the Aussie freshman from Sydney, Australia, might. And in my opinion, the market misjudged this team all season long. And those who played on Drake this season cleaned up. Oh, I might. Now, about this game against Northern Iowa, as a newly crowned Drake fan, I'm worried. Actually, I'm heartbroken. In yesterday's game against Illinois State, their star player, Nick McGlynn, the conference defensive player of the year, he went down with a knee. He was in a brace, not expecting him to play today. Um, So that really makes it tough when the star player's out. But these two teams split the regular season home and away, and I would have already been worried that Ben Jacobson and Northern Iowa would have been able to figure out a way to neutralize McGlynn, and now they don't even have to worry about him because of the injury. So I do have hope. Drake still has the Murphy Twins, like Brady Ellingson and Noah Thomas, the Aussie, to step up and carry the load, but I need to see what the markets do with that one today. It's going to be a tough one taking that team um, in a tough spot, losing their star player. They stepped up without him for the remaining 30 minutes in the game yesterday and really won with ease against Illinois State, but... This one I'm worried could be the end of the road for Drake. I hope not, but it could be interesting. I think I fully expect Loyola Chicago to be in the championship game. I want to see that Drake Loyola matchup for the bid, and probably like the 14 seed, something like that, 15 seed. But I uh, I'm not sure we're gonna get that. But that's what I'm hoping to get: uh, Drake versus Loyola Chicago. But I, I do expect Loyola Chicago, at least power rating wise, to get through and Sister Jean to make her run again. But I personally hope it's Drake. The Southern Conference, Monday is the championship game. The quarterfinals for that are today. Um, Wofford is the absolute class of that conference, and in my opinion, should also get an at-large bid. It'll be an absolute crime if they don't, I think. They're probably the best smaller conference team out there. Belmont can make a case for that, but I I think Wofford. Uh, you got Furman, East Tennessee State, and UNC Greensboro. Those are the only teams that really have a shot of challenging Wofford, but I, I really... I could just see Wofford blowing it, too, and one of those other teams taking it. I mean, uh, Furman, I think this could be a two-bid league if Furman gets through, especially. I think uh, Wofford could get that. that ought, they should get that at-large bid. Uh, it would be a travesty if they didn't make the tournament, if they got knocked out. I, I don't expect that to happen. Uh, in my opinion, Wofford's just playing for their seed. I think they're going to get a 6 or 7 seed with a tourney win and probably a 10 or 11 uh, losing uh, today or earlier on in the conference tournament. Maybe worse if they lose before the championship. But if you're looking for a dark horse, I'd say Furman. Um, but like I said earlier, look to roll them over on the money line instead of taking their their uh, future on the tournament uh, futures board. But this is Wofford's conference, and it has been all year. The Metro Atlantic, that one's on Monday, title game. This one is literally wide open. I actually think that whoever wins tonight between Ryder and Siena has a great chance of winning that conference and getting that bid. The Colonial Athletic Association conference title games on Tuesday. This one really is more wide open than people think. Uh, Pure power ratings. I have Northeastern, Hofstra, and Charleston as the three-headed monster up as that clear tier one in this league. But I could also see a team like William & Mary competing. I think this tournament really is going to be a fun watch. And that title game, like I said, is on Tuesday. The Horizon League in Detroit. That title game is also on Tuesday. This league scaled back to its old eight-team tournament format and sent two teams packing early before the tournament even started. We had our semifinals for this one set since Wednesday night, so those teams will have some time to prepare for each other. 
um, and we'll have to wait until Monday for the next games. And that's going to be in Detroit. And those games are going to be Wright State against Green Bay and Northern Kentucky versus Oakland. Northern Kentucky and Wright State will be favored to play in the title game on Tuesday, but I can actually see Oakland being in that one and potentially competing to upset Northern Kentucky. So my pick to win this league is Wright State. The Northeast Conference, that title game's on Tuesday. Those semifinals are early today, actually. Fairly Dickinson, my number one power-rated team in the conference, goes up against Robert Morris. And then after that, St. Francis of PA faces off against LIU Brooklyn. I really think that Robert Morris, as the number four seed, has a chance to get it done here. And you might be able to even make some coin by playing on them. I think... Uh, well, they beat Fairleigh Dickinson at home earlier this year and most recently lost to Fairleigh Dickinson on the road in uh, two overtimes. It was a really close game, double overtime game. Kempom has this one, Fairleigh Dickinson, 71-65, to six-point win over Robert Morris, but I have it much closer, so I will actually look to play on this one today. Got to check that one out. Um, Summit League title game on Tuesday. This is the Dominator Conference. Mike Dom and the South Dakota State squad are by far the highest-rated team in the conference. There's a huge drop-off before number two, and that's Nebraska-Omaha, according to my ratings. And they've been a great over-team this season, uh, if you bet the Rovers. And number team in, number three team in the conference, according to my ratings, uh, Indiana-Purdue University-Fort Worth, IPFW. They're also a good over-team as well, but it's really a drop-off. And this, this tournament, I fully expect South Dakota State to get the bid, and they might have Cinderella potential in the dance, because the Dominator is pure class. The West Coast Conference Tournament Championship game on Tuesday. One word, Gonzaga. They've been in the title game every year since 1997, I believe. Uh, they're going to win this tournament. I mean, you have to like lay, I think it's like 1 to 11, something like that. You have to basically like lay 10 bucks to win $1, even worse than that, on Gonzaga in this tournament. So they should win this tournament. They're going to be a, I mean, if they get knocked out, I still think they should be a number one seed in the Big Dad, so it's kind of meaningless to them, but they can pretty much cakewalk through this thing, get the one seed. Gonzaga, I've always been a big fan of San Francisco in that conference this year. Been tooting their horn. Uh, Frankie Ferrari, the Paisan, uh, uh, he's their, their point guard that leads the way that you can light it up. Uh, seriously, they'll look to play on San Francisco in a postseason conference tournament because I think that's a team that can be not only happy to be there, but they can bring a ton of value with Frankie Ferrari, and I think they're very well coached. They run a very great offense. So San Francisco is worth a look um, in any postseason conference tournament that they play in. But it's going to be Gonzaga. I've been chirping them since day one of the season on this podcast. I told you all to take them at 10-1 to 1 to win the whole thing a couple different times. I think now it's about 7-1, to 1, something like that. Uh, if they don't get the shittiest, uh, you know, a shitty draw, this is a... Uh, Final Four team, I think, and they'll probably be favored against every team they play in the tournament, um, except uh, a Zion Duke team, I guess. But um, if they're favored at every game, that's just a good thing to have in your pocket for hedging purposes down the stretch in the tournament. So Gonzaga, I think they're going to be right there at the end to compete. The Patriot League, our final one um, that I'm going to cover on this pod, championship game is on Wednesday. That's been an over league this year. These games are early today, though. Colgate's Bucknell and Lehigh are the class of the conference. Colgate is the favorite, but the the winner of the Bucknell versus Lehigh game is uh, they'll be a two or three point underdog at worst against Colgate. So be on the lookout because if if those two teams 
Um, if they draw each other out and burn a ton of energy in that game, if it's really tight and if Colgate gets an easy win today against Navy, you actually could maybe see some value on Colgate. They might be worth a look in the title game because if Bucknell and Lehigh are, are really expending a lot of energy against each other, you know, you see that game, you know, they just burn a lot of emotional, physical energy. And if, you know, if Colgate's going to just roll through and sit there, I think you can get a situation where Colgate has the stronger legs, especially since these guys have been playing multiple games. Colgate could have stronger legs down the stretch. could be worth a look in the title game if that scenario uh, happens. So we won't have another conference tournament title game until next Saturday after that Patriot League championship game on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have a whole slew of tournament title games next Saturday. And then on Sunday as well, we have another slew of games. There's more on Selection Sunday this year than than last year. Uh, but those bigger tournaments, they start on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, the Ivy League's the exception. They're, uh, they're next Saturday and Sunday. It's just a two-day two thing. Um, but like I said, I will have a podcast posted by Wednesday with a look at each conference tournament that ends at the end of next week. I'll try to get that posted um, early on Wednesday. But next week really is the best week, baby. Um, in terms of action this weekend... Obviously, check the Doggy Juice Twitter and Instagram for any plays. We've been really starting to heat up uh, the last week or two. Um, I do think it's going to be worth taking a look, um, taking Cincinnati over Houston at home tomorrow, depending on the line. But just have them win the game outright. I think it's a good look. Um, And another thing I really want to talk about uh, before getting out of here is uh, the most variable, variable team for me over the next few weeks, like a team that I could see going very deep, or a team bowing out very early, and that's Nevada. They've been playing around in that Mountain West. It's been the Mountain West Conference has been disappointing for years, and now it's just a shitty one bid one bid league. Um, but Nevada's been disrespecting their opponents all season long. Now they can really step it up in March if they want to, and they have a particular advantage um, of their lack of depth being negated by the longer TV timeouts in this tournament time and, and more possession by possession baseball. So some of these NBA bound players on Nevada, they have some really good tourney experience from last year and be on the lookout for jazz Johnson, especially that dude can just, once he catches heat, look out, like I can just drill threes. Um, but they'll especially go after Utah state. If they get Utah state in the mountain West title game, uh, there'll be a revenge spot. So really look to play on them in that situation. I think they'll take that very seriously, but, um, also, Nevada tonight, I mean, they're laying 14 points, but it's senior night, and they're in a revenge spot as well. So I think it's actually maybe worth a look, putting a little coin on them to cover that big spread tonight in Nevada. But on the flip side, it can also see them being a candidate to, to bow out in the first round of the tournament. They always seem to kind of play down to their competition. They're particularly prone to some boneheaded decisions too. So this Nevada team, particularly high variance with this team, and I'm I'm interested to see who they draw in the tournament because they can make a pretty deep run or they could just get knocked out right away. So That is correct. Before we head out, I'm going to now move on to that little message I received last night from our very own Little Yeri. Doggy Juice, it's the prop master, Crow Marty McFly, the national anthem king, the Atlanta's chosen son. And I have a bone to pick. You've been giving out winners in college basketball. That's great. That's dandy. No one likes college basketball until the tournament. 
Most of us are trying to live off the NBA. And I see the number one Warriors playing the number two Denver Nuggets. Nikola Jokic is a national treasure. The man is the greatest big man passer that's ever existed in the NBA. And here I am. I see a slow first quarter start. And I am able to live bet plus 15 and a half. Bankroll management. Bankroll management. Doggy Juice episode one. Fuck that. 15 and a half? Second team in the league? And Steve Kerr. Steve broke ass. My spine doesn't work, Kerr. Steve broke ass. I'll stand in the corner and win Bulls championships to make little Cromarty McFly happy and make grown Cromarty McFly sad because he does not pull a single starter when he's up 20 points in the fourth quarter. They need to do a criminal investigation. My question for you, do I just bet my life that the Warriors will win the championship minus 200 now? Or do I continue to bet fucking stupid bets, especially on the Bulls, like for the rest of my life? What do I do? How do I make the NBA watchable? Because I'm fucking dying here. I can only bet on the Kings so much. Please kill me or give me a solution now. Do I give up on the NBA? <laughs> oh, literary. Literary. What are we going to do with you? Well, for starters, I would not give up on the NBA, but I've been saying this one since day one. The NBA is a hard league to beat. The lines are a lot sharper. Uh, you got just a lot more action on every game because it's a professional league. I would say NBA is right up there at the NFL with the uh, toughest league to beat, but it's beatable. Um, and obviously, if you're betting on the Kings this year, you've you've been uh, doing pretty well on that. But, man, just play college hoops. You get softer lines. You get a lot more variability. And if, if, you, can, um, if you can get the information, then you can be ahead of it in college basketball. The NBA is just a tough game to beat, man. But, man, going up against the Warriors after Steve Kerr came out and basically said, hey, we got to fucking win this game. We, we owe it to our fans because the Warriors were playing like shit. And you kind of saw them step up earlier this year when they played against Denver uh, on the road. It was kind of like a show-me game, and they, they blew out Denver on the road. And I, I kind of saw that coming last night. The spread was 6.5. I, I dabbled a little bit in Warriors 6.5. But going up against that freight train when they're actually trying and have the attention of the number two team, that's tough. But I hear your pain, man. 15.5 uh, live. You know, you just ask them to keep it close. Denver at that point, they are the second best team. And you are right, that dude is a national treasure. But, uh, and just like you, Yari, little Yari, national treasure. So keep it up, man. But yeah, watch that bank or management, one unit per play. And then you won't have situations where you're uh, sending drunken messages at, at 1 a.m. So um, good luck, though, on your action, little Yari. And thank you for reaching out. So that will do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. I'll be back next week with a preview of the bigger conference tournaments. And we're also going to have I have a couple guests lined up for next week. Uh, planning on bringing the dudes over at Cron Harper on the pod. Uh, give them a follow on Instagram. Hilarious. But uh, yeah, so that's it. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice for best bets. And as the lines get tighter, I'll try to get some leans. Um, on there as well just 
uh, for turning time for people who just can't resist the action. But that'll do it for this episode. Uh, thank you for listening and enjoy those games this weekend. We're really getting in the thick of it. I'll be back in just a few short days with a preview of the bigger conference tournaments. Enjoy your weekend, everyone, and good luck with your bets. Peace, doggy juice.